Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Monday morning to you. It is a numbers game at VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Fubo, Sleek, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. It's all brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. What's happening, everybody? What's happening, party people? It's Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay in tow, producer number five and eight off his weekend. How you doing, Jeff? You good? All good with you? Yeah, all good. How was your weekend, betting-wise? How was it? Good? Well, it, it, it was much better when I actually finally get home on a uh, on a golf bet because I took JT in the middle of the round. I didn't I didn't get the peak because there was crazy numbers at the peak. What'd you get him at? I got him at 25. That was the number I got. And how late into the round did you get that? Oh, boy. It was... Because I was, he... I was staring at a 30-to-1 Pretty deep into the back nines. So you know, you know how we're going to do this here, Gil. I'm going to get you the time of day exactly that it was. That will not help us. Because no, well, because everything merges together for me in that round yesterday. Because it kind of was the slow burn for JT yesterday. It was like, oh, he's kind of got a shot. Let's hop in. He was on the back nine. That's all I know. Because at nine, yeah. he was at some spots three figures. Three figures. I know that. But I think it was. I think it was around twelve. I want to say with JT. Where, where I took him? Yeah, I mean, I was. I wish I could remember exactly where, what part of the back nine it was, but I was staring at a thirty to one at on JT. Justin Thomas wins the PGA. That's what we're talking about, obviously, at Southern Hills in Tulsa. He wins it at a playoff against Will Zalatoris after being seven strokes down to begin the tournament. Uh, it is his second major win. He won the PGA in 2017 as well. Uh, trailing by seven strokes entering the final round is tied for the third largest comeback in major championship history. 
And so congratulations to everybody that had a Justin Thomas ticket, whether it was pre-flop, whether it was in tournament, whether it was during the last round. What a performance. What an absolute performance that there is an elite golfer at his peak. Just a brilliant thing to watch. And congratulations to him, obviously. But congratulations to all the betters. We will talk to one of those betters who had Justin Thomas a little later. Wes Reynolds will join us. And we'll talk about all the shenanigans of that, including, of course, what in the heck was Mito Pereira doing? 71 holes into it. He had beaten back. It felt like Mito Pereira had won that golf tournament four different times. He had, you know, three-stroke leads on several occasions. They would come up, the pack would come up to tie him or flirt one stroke back. He would then reemerge with a three-stroke lead. And then finally it got to the point where his decision-making down the stretch, on that 72nd hole, he just pulls out the driver and real quick, just whacks at it. The worst swing of his, of his entire tournament. Into the water, and it wasn't quite Van Develdian. Because that, of course, was a three-stroke lead headed into the final hole of a, of a PGA. I believe that was 1999. But it did sort of make you, it, it conjured up the ghosts of, of Jean Vandeveld from those many years ago. It wasn't, quite, it wasn't quite that bad. I don't mean to compare the two. But you just felt terrible for Mito Pereira. You've te- you felt terrible for people who had Mito Pereira tickets, whether pre-flop or in-game. Our own Will Hill uh, had a couple of those tickets. He texted me. Uh, this morning, I want to get you the exact numbers that Will Hill had on those. I'm sure he won't mind. Um, he had 200 to one, and he had 175 to one on Mito. And then later on this show, Rufus Peabody will join us in studio. Rufus Peabody, professional better, who had a nickel, $500 on Mito at 300 to one to win $150,000. He'll be in here to talk about uh, dealing with that, what his thought process was, what he could have done, what he couldn't have done, that sort of thing. Well, anxious to have Rufus come in. Do you find out what time of day you had that at, your uh, ticket? Yes, I took it at, uh, at 1240, 1244 or 144 p.m. That is 144 p.m. So 144 p.m. I think was back nine, wasn't Having having the outs, being available during golf tournaments to bet this stuff in game. Again, there's there's no sexy points given for having this preflop. You literally had JT. I don't know, it's thirty to one on a back nine coming home ain't exactly an everyday occurrence, but uh, you could feel it with JT anyway. He gets it done over Will Zalatoris, I should point out, in the aggregate three score playoff. And I do want to ask, I do want to ask Wes one thing when he's on also, which is. You know, we talk about golf and golf betting all these weeks on the show with multiple people. And you know what we never ask about? Or you know what no one ever brings up? Like when we do the horse racing, when we do the Preakness stuff. Did you hear anybody talk about jockeys when we talked about the Derby or the Preakness? Did, did any one of our guests bring up a jockey? I don't think they did. Like I don't remember one person even bringing up a jockey. And maybe, maybe they don't feel jo- being, you know, the jockey is a huge part of a horse race. Strange to me, the casual horse racing fan. Seems like it might. You know what we don't bring up with golfers? The caddy. Todd Wright had a sensational point. Todd Wright, who's a frequent guest on this program, he texts me, he goes, think about that. 
Think about Bones McKay, who won five championships, right, five majors, pardon me, five majors with Phil Mickelson on Justin Thomas's bag. And think about how deliberate Justin Thomas was on that 18th hole, figuring out what he should do, how he should approach it. And contrast that with Mito Pereira and his caddy, Scott McGinnis, who when Scotty Scheffler got rid of him, all of a sudden he started winning golf tournaments. I apologize to Scott McGinnis and the Scott McGinnis family. But we never talk about caddies, ever. Should we? Owens is the one guy who does seemingly get mentioned. Should we? Like, I'm just saying, what, what about in the opposite direction? How about the point that all the, the announcers made about how, you know, I get it, Mito Pereira had never gone behind, you know, the green to assess a putt or a chip. He didn't do it on 18, though, much to his detriment. I mean, I think that is a, I think that's a worthwhile golf discussion that we never had, much, much like it's very strange we never talk about jockeys and horse racing. The other stuff that happened this weekend, by the way, French Open underway. Um, French Open underway. Carlos Alcaraz gets through his, talking about our futures, gets through his first round uh, match. Iga gives up two games total in her first round match. She skates through hers. Yesterday was the first day at the French Open. We ended up going three and three for a modest gain because a couple of those were dogs. So a modest gain for us. Yesterday I gave them all out on Twitter. This morning I gave out three picks, uh, or last night I should say, again with the time zones, this becomes an issue for this show. Uh, I gave out three picks. The first one lost this morning. The second one, we're down a set, but we're up a break. Uh, that's Donka Kovinich in her match against uh, Ludmila Samsonova. So we're trying to fight back in that match. She's a big dog, plus 180, plus, uh, plus 181, I believe it was, plus 185. Uh, so maybe there's an in-game opportunity if you believe in that bet. We'll see if we can get back in it. And then the only one that's left to play today, Christian Garin, uh, Chilean player, Garin plays later after this show. I got it at minus 135. It's already north of minus 150. I honestly wouldn't play it north of minus 150. So if you can find a price that's in the minus 140s, I would play Christian Garin. It's the one remaining, one uh, lone remaining pre-flop play of the day in tennis. And this is going to be an issue again because the tournament is in Europe, or excuse me, the, uh, the whole clay season is in Europe, and this is the final one, obviously, the slam. So good start to our... Uh, Good start to our futures, and good start to all of the quarter and uh, the quarter um, bets recommendations that I gave last week. Teichman threw easily yesterday. We'll see how the others go, but uh, and a good start, you know, a modest start, but a good one yesterday. And we'll see how today goes as well in terms of the matches. Um, basketball. We just go through these things one by one. We'll have JVT. Oh, we haven't even mentioned who else is on the show besides Rufus and Wes. JVT is going to join us momentarily to talk about the NBA. Warriors up three to nothing against the Mavericks. Jeff, can the Mavericks get this past five games in any scenario? Past five? No. No way. Past four? Yeah, of Maybe. course. Sure. We've seen already in this postseason Golden State up 3 0 and yeah. not care in a game not four. Not care at all. That's so, right. Yeah, no, this game, this series, I should say, at worst, will go five. Dallas doesn't play any defense. I mean, the Warriors' offense is the most beautiful thing in sports. We've established this already. But no defense whatsoever. Like, they have no answers for the back cuts. How about that one play yesterday where Clay, just like Jalen Brunson, just forgot about Clay, and Draymond hits him with a bounce, bounce pass, easy bucket. There were so many instances of, of just like the Mavericks playing no D whatsoever. And the Warriors just too good for them. Too many weapons. 
If it's not a Jordan Poole night, it's an Andrew Wiggins night. Andrew Wiggins with the posterization of Luka last night, who flopped midair. And then Wiggins with a follow-up jam a couple possessions later. Warriors too good. They'll be, they'll be dogs in Game 4 like they were in Game 3. Bet against them at your own risk. And then there's the Heat and the Celtics, which we'll talk about momentarily also. With the Heat coming right back and taking home court back in Game 3 the other night, where Jimmy Butler didn't even play in the second half. I mean, my goodness. The Heat have won in these three games. They have a 2-1 to lead in this series, Jeff, and have won two quarters. Two quarters of basketball. That's almost impossible to do. Now, of course, they won those quarters. 39-14 to was the first one. And what was the second one? I can't remember now. But a massive destruction 39-18 on in first quarter of game three. There you go. 39-14 and then 39-18. That's it. They haven't won another quarter of the whole series. Now, can we do anything with this game tonight, though? Six-point spread in terms of the Celtics if we don't know what the Jimmy Butler status is. They say he's going to give it a go, right? What do you do with it, though? This whole series turns into who actually is on the court. Who's on the, the court? It. Yeah. Uh, since uh, I, I will say this also, Gil, uh, re- real quick, uh, going back to the other series. After watching Dallas in this series against Golden State, Phoenix should be ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great call. And also, all y'all need to be ashamed of yourselves for not believing in the Warriors. I don't know how many times we have to say it here on this show. The greatest, the most beautiful thing in sports. Now, if you're the Warriors, you're secretly hoping for the heat? I think you are. JVT joins us next to discuss all that. It's a numbers game at Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. 
Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back on a numbers game, proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. Don't forget, it'll take you but a few seconds to download the BetMGM app. And then we'll take you but a few minutes to fill out your forms using your Nevada state-issued ID. It's very simple to join BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Very easy peasy. And then you'll be betting in just a flash. That's how easy it is. All that BetMGM offers, and it's a whole bunch. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com and download the BetMGM gym, uh, the BetMGM app rather, right here at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Proud sponsors of this here show. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Uh, let's talk some more hoops with Jonathan Von Tobel. He is our senior NBA analyst at MeJVT is where you can follow him. He's the co-host of The Edge, and he's got his own basketball podcast you should know about. It's called Hardwood Handicappers. JVT, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. It was an interesting uh, weekend of basketball. It was a much more interesting week of golf, uh, but uh, no, it was a, it was an interesting weekend. I like matchup stuff, and I was just rewatching Warriors and Mavericks right before I came on with you guys. The Warriors are so freaking good, man. It's it's incredible. All right, so let's talk. Let's start there. Then 146 and 0. That is the uh, the record yep. in NBA history when teams lead a series three to nothing. Uh, if there is a team that's going to buck this, it ain't going to be the Dallas Mavericks against the Golden State Warriors. I think we can all. Agree on that. Uh, by the way, 26 consecutive playoff series now by the Warriors, an NBA record with at least one road win. They've outscored the Mavericks in the third quarters combined, 89 to 58. Curry yesterday, 31, 5 and 11. Wiggins, 27, yep. 11 and 3, including that uh, posterization of Luka and the follow-up jam of the fourth. Clay, 19-7-3, including big threes at the start of the fourth. Luka, 40-11-3 in defeat. Dinwiddie added 26. Um, Dubs had 10 more assists, 14 more boards, 7 more on the offensive boards. We could go on. I guess my question here is this. The Mavericks have no answer on defense. None whatsoever. They could take a game four, sure. They could, you know, the threes could hit. But uh, this, this is not going past five, is it? 
<clears throat> no, I, I don't think so. And like, you know, initially when you look at some of the numbers and the tracking data and all that stuff, and I wrote about it yesterday, which was, you know, you can make the argument that Dallas has been underperforming, that the Warriors have been overperforming. Going into yesterday, their effective field goal percentage in the series of the first two games was 64.3%. But if you included, you know, location effective field goal percentage, which essentially is if they shot league average on all their attempts, their effective field goal percentage should have been like 51.1 Golden State. But they continue to hit some of these shots. Uh, they have been in these positions before. And you just look at it like Dallas is throwing so much at them defensively and none of it's working. You want to double staff? We're going to find somebody out of it. And it's either going to be Kevon Looney rolling to the basket, Andrew Wiggins slipping screens. They're just so smart in the way that they play. And no matter what scheme that you want to throw at them, they have an answer for it with the personnel they have on the floor. You know, I still have my reservations. Like this isn't anywhere near from a power rating perspective, those first few Warriors teams we've seen, but they're so well coached. Those three guys in terms of Draymond, uh, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry have been there before. They've seen almost everything you can throw at them. It's just really, really interesting to watch them just figure out possession by possession. Oh, you're doing this. Okay, we'll do this. Oh, you're doing that. Okay, we'll do this. So uh, it's been really impressive. So I would agree. Like, you know, game four, back against the wall situation. Does Dallas come out, hit a bunch of threes, extend this? You go back to San Francisco and they close it out potentially. But right now you got a 105.5 offensive rating and non-garbage time minutes for the Dallas Mavericks. Like on both ends of the floor, they just don't have anything for Golden State at this point. Is this just a particularly bad matchup for the Mavericks? Jeff, Jeff Parlay on the way out was saying how how ashamed Phoenix ought to be after seeing this. Do you agree with that statement? No, I, I think it's more of a matchup problem. Like if you look at the first two rounds for Dallas, you know there, there's a link between Phoenix and Utah, and it's that their primary starting lineup ha has a traditional center out there, and that would be DeAndre Ayton or Rudy Gobert. And while Kevon Looney, you can throw into that mix as being a traditional center, a majority of the minutes that you're facing the Warriors, you're going to have Draymond Green at center, Otto Porter Jr. He's got that foot injury though, so we'll see if he even plays again. Uh, but you have Draymond Green, who's probably playing center. That's a small ball lineup. They're going to switch almost every single thing. So now all of a sudden. And when you're Dallas, you can't run your five out stuff because there is no real dribble penetration, get guys in rotation, kick it out to open shooters because they're just switching everything like they're fine. And even like last night, you know, they're trying to hunt Steph Curry. Steph Curry's like a perfectly fine defender. He's not going to lock anybody down, but there were multiple possessions where Jalen Brunson would work to get Curry on him and then he would get nothing out of it. So I just think it's a matchup problem for Dallas. Their five out system works really well against teams that want to force the issue with their centers. And if it starts to work against Kevon Looney, well, the Warriors are just like, all right, that's fine. We'll just get him off the floor. We'll put Draymond Green at center, and we'll just switch everything, and you're going to have a problem with that. And that's what we've seen so far. So I'm not sure if it's if it's like Phoenix should be embarrassed. I just think the Warriors are perfectly built to handle the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a matchup from hell for, for Dallas. Yep. All right, so speaking then of the Warriors, what would you? let's go hypothetical here first before we get to tonight's game. What would be the line? What would be the JVT line on a Warriors-Celtics series? What would be the line on the Warriors? Heat? And even as I'm saying this, I'm laughing because I'm like, well, you got to know who's playing, who's playing for, right. for the Celtics and the Heat. But, but generally, if everybody was full steam, what would you make these lines? So I think you're probably going to see the Warriors as like a dollar thirty favorite or so in this series. Like they have home court, and that's over Boston. I should specify. Um, so they'll they'll be favored, I think, because they have home court. And I'm not sure. Like this Celtics team, right? They come into this series against Miami. I think the market accepts them as being the better team, being favored before the series starts, despite not having home court. Uh, but g given the perception of Golden State and what we know about them, I don't think the market would allow them to be underdogs in a series like that, especially with home court. So I would say about a dollar thirty favorite uh, for Golden State. I've texted like a couple odds makers. Like Jeff Sherman at the Westgate, he, that's what he made a dollar twenty in favor of Golden State. So I think that's what you're going to see. Uh, and as far as Miami goes, you know, obviously Warriors are going to be favored there. 
I think it's probably going to be the range of like 250 and maybe even a little bit higher, 275, wow. uh, just given where wow. maybe where the Miami Heat are uh, from a respect and power rating standpoint. That might be a little high. You know, maybe it's closer to $2, but I think it's it's definitely $2 or higher in favor of Golden State in a series like that. I listen, I'm 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 in the tank for the Warriors. You know that I have a mm-hmm. Warriors bet from early in the season yeah. uh, plus 550 that I just follow that I just filed away, but I'm also on the boy are the Heat the most disrespected number one. Number one seed. It's like no one's going to respect them until they like get to the very end. Uh, they win obviously on Saturday, which was so just good. just an unbelievable performance. It was the Bam game. Bam Adebayo thirty one ten and six. PJ Tucker added seventeen. Struess with sixteen. Uh, as I said earlier, they lost Jimmy Butler to knee inflammation in the second half. The Heat have won the second quarter in three. They, they excuse me. The Heat have won two quarters in yeah. three games. Uh, and they lead the series two to one. Jalen Brown, by the way, forty in defeat. The Celtics had a thirty to fourteen advantage in free throw attempts. Um, they out rebounded Miami by ten, but they had twenty three turnovers, and Miami had nineteen steals. John, including four from Oladipo. Which, by the way, I look at the box score and I'm like, wait a minute, Oladipo only had four steals. Felt like he had seventy five steals in that game. Like he was just unbelievable. Um, and so I, you know, Miami takes back home court. And where I'm getting at with this is, and the series, the adjusted series price with Miami up two to one, having home court. Yes, the Jimmy Butler thing is, you know, gray, gray area, but it looks like Jimmy's going to give it a go tonight. Miami's minus 115 and the Celtics are minus 105. Yeah. I mean, but before the series, what did I get the heat at? Plus 135? I can't remember the exact price. But, like, this isn't – this is barely an adjustment. Mm-hmm. You're right. And I think some spots open, like, as high as minus 125, but you saw the market come back and, and buy in on Boston. And I, I think that's the respect that the Celtics team gets. And, and I do think, you know, like – and I don't want to play into the narrative that they are disrespected. Miami's a really good team. But if you like, there are some indicators, for example, you know, you talk about the turnovers. A lot of those turnovers were unforced issues. When you're a Miami Heat defender and you just snap your head around and the ball's flying at you because somebody's trying to force a pass, yeah, you don't have to move. That's right. Like those are those are self-inflicted wounds if you're Boston. They turned it over on 25.5% of their offensive possessions in that game three. That's incredible. Over a quarter of your possessions, oh, you're giving the ball away. That, that's, that's insane to me. And so, like, if you look at the, in the series in non-garbage time minutes, despite being down 2-1 of the series, it is the Celtics who have a plus 4.7 net rating in non-garbage time against the Miami Heat. You know, if there are so many different little indicators here that Boston is still look at that game, for example, too. They can't get anything going in the first half. They're down by, I think, 27 at one point, if I remember correctly. And you're kind of thinking, like, you just got to get this to 15. And all of a sudden, they stop turning it over at the end of the first half. They go on a run. It's immediately 15. and It's it's a 15-point game at halftime. And you're like, okay, well, if they start to kind of turn this thing around, they hold on to the ball, they're going to be able to get back into this. They cut it to one at one point in the second half, and then they can't really get back into it because they keep turning the ball over. I just think there are a lot of indicators here that Boston still is the better team. But they've got to perform. Like, they can't do this anymore, and it's on them that they're doing this. But Miami deserves a ton of credit. You said Bam Adebayo was fantastic. They were incredibly physical. They, they're not backing down. Like, from a mental toughness standpoint, they're an incredible team. So I understand, like, when you look at some of the numbers and think that, hey, you're like, there should be some sort of adjustment. I thought $1.25 was more fair, $1.30 for the series in favor of Miami. But the market just doesn't want to back off of Boston. Part of me agrees. They're my highest power-rated team left in the NBA. But I understand the thinking that at some point, you got to look at this and be like, Miami deserves some respect at some point. Would you, would you, I mean, this is so difficult, right? Butler is going to give it a go, we think, here. The Celtics, mm-hmm. on the other hand, are team drama, right? Like in the spirit of Paul Pierce being, you know, charioted off the, on, back onto the court. 
Uh, yeah. You know, injuries where you look, oh, that's the end of that's the end of Smart. We'll never see him again. Oh my God, look at Tatum. We'll never see him again. And yet they come right back on the court. Celtics minus six. Do you touch this tonight? It's too high, and especially remember, Marcus Smart had swelling in his ankle after you know yesterday. Uh, Robert Williams still questionable too, so I, it opened seven and a half at some point. So I think it would be Miami or pass, just given the questionable status of the two key players for Boston. Such a great series, man! Such oh, yeah. a great postseason. John, always appreciate it, man. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Jonathan Von Tobel. Everybody at me, JVT, Hardwood Handicappers, The Edge, Senior NBA Analyst. We'll come back. Paul Sporer on Major League Baseball on the other side. Numbers Game, Visa, the Sports Betting Network. A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Summer Special is here for only $39. You get everything VSIN has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months, filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VSIN. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB Best Bets, Jonathan Von, uh, Jonathan Von Tobel, rather, who just joined us on uh, Best Bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil breaking down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued Best Bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bet email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $39 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer. It's Gil Alexander. We get tweets at Beating the Book. Trip Tepper. Listen to you and Drew on Saturday talking about the Beating the Book podcast, our French Open preview. He said, good stuff. You guys absolutely nailed some of the early exits fades. Jabour out Osaka, not her service, out. Uh, team, out. Muguruza, out. I hope listeners faded some of those players. By the way, also Bar- Barbara Krajikova this morning, the defending champ who had not been playing at all. She's one and done as well. Uh, then we get responses to, uh, to the segment from earlier here on the show. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, this is from... This is from, oh, this is also Trip Tapper. Not playing the result. I said out loud when Mito got to the 18th tee. Uh, the caddy cannot let him use the driver here. Uh, an amped up pro can hit a three wood there and get the ball well down the fairway at that hole. This is from, uh, this is from, let's see, from Motor City Mike. Bones is mentioned every week since he's been with JT, especially last week because he was personally going for the repeat. Come on, Gilly. Not talking about mainstream media, uh, media, Motor City. That There's no question about it. They talk about that a lot. I'm talking about bettors who are betting golf. Maybe that's something we need to talk about more. Our guest coming up, Wes Reynolds, does, by the way. But he's one of the few. Uh, let's see. Mike Rouse. Which, which account was giving out tennis picks? I don't see it on your timeline. Thanks in advance. Everybody who asked me for French Open plays... Look at the replies. I replied to all of them. Six picks yesterday, three picks uh, last night. Or th- two, six picks the night before, three picks last night. Just because of the time zone differences. Usually I'll say listen to the show, but it's tough uh, in, that rem- in that regard. Rich PSM also says, absolutely cad- caddies matter. Golf Channel pointed out Bones recommended JT. Uh, drive it low and hard. Ever, uh, and yes, Rich, again, mainstream, different story. Not what I'm uh, referring to here. I'm always talking about betting. Uh, Rufus Peabody joins us later once again. $500 at 300 to 1 to win $150,000 on Mito Pereira. He's in studio later to talk about what he could have done, what he didn't do, what he might have done, what transpired mentally. We'll talk about uh, always interesting discussion when you uh, lose out on that kind of money and uh, just dealing with it and the thought process to all of it. Let's talk some baseball. Paul Sporer is here. We are right at the quarter mark of the Major League Baseball season. 
which seems quick, but then when we get to like 80 and 120, it sort of reverses and we're like, whew, we still got 80 games to go, that kind of thing. It's Paul Spore, everybody, at Spore, of course, Sleeper in the Bus podcast, Fangraphs, and twitch.tv slash Spore. How you doing, Paulie? Gil, I'm well. How are you? Good. What's the hat today? What do you got? It's the Nat City Connect. Yes, the Nat City Connect. How many baseball caps do you think you own? Uh, into the twenties now. I'm trying to get one of every team. I've I've definitely got some. I've got multiples for some teams. So I'm I'm even probably close to thirty with minor leaguers, to be honest. Okay, because it's the quarter mark. Uh, Thank us- you for not saying the quarter poll, by the way. Obviously, oh, you as a handicapper, you know full well. Full but well. the people that say that it drives me nuts. Yes, horse racing means the the final quarter. It's quarter left. That's yes. right. Um, okay, so you know it's interesting to look at. Pythag and expected wins mm-hmm. losses. Pythagorean theorem, by the way, which we all learned in geometry, a squared plus b squared equals c squared. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about just a fancy name applied to Bill James' tried and true theory in baseball. If you score this many runs, if you give up this many runs, trust me, there's a formula. This is how many games you ought to win. Uh, this is what your win percentage ought to be, in other words. And so there are teams that obviously overperform that. There are teams that underperform that. It's not the only way to look at things. There's also sequencing, which dives into it a little further. But just in terms of, of Pythag, um, you're looking at the league right now, and there's, you know, it's not a huge, obviously, we're only 40, 41 games in. But the biggest sort of difference between what a team's record is and what it ought to be is actually in the NL Central where the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Chicago Cubs are both 16 and 24, the Pirates ought to be 11 and 29 based on run production and run suppression. The Cubs ought to be 20 and 20. So the Pirates yeah. are way overperforming, the Cubs way underperforming. Do you buy that? I mean, I, I buy that the Pirates should be worse. Um, the main thing for the Cubs is their four and 10 and one run games. Yeah. And another adage, in addition to the, you know, the Pythag with the run scored runs given up, generally speaking, you should be about 500, obviously over the course of a season that can play, you know, high or low. We saw the Mariners last year gave everyone a good lesson in one run games and how it can go well for you for an entire season. It doesn't necessarily have to catch up to you, which is, which also means that it doesn't necessarily have to smooth out for the Cubs. They won't, necessarily get better in these one run affairs, probably due to the fact that they have a bad bullpen um, that can certainly influence it. So I I can see why they could be uh, more of a 500 team. Like their team is okay. And when I look at the Cubs, I'm like, that makes sense. But I'm also not terribly surprised that they've underperformed some of the stuff that they put out there. Like they have some decent offense. They've got a couple good starters, but I don't believe in the bullpen very much. And I'm not particularly surprised that they're underperforming for the Cubs. Yeah. Just some other uh, highlights here. Uh, quarter of the way into the season, just in terms of that one thing, the Padres are three games better than their mm-hmm. expected win loss. The Dodgers at 27 and 13 are three games three worse, worse than they ought to be, which is comical, right? Philadelphia Phillies, uh, three games worse than they ought to be. The Marlins are four games worse. Than that was they one I was going to highlight. What do you think about that? Yeah. They kind of have their schedule reversed. They're 18 and 22. They could be about 22 and 18. I, I kind of believe in this team. I, and it's it's mostly a long-term thing, like uh, this entire season and then even beyond. 
I still think they could use another Jazz Chisholm for Zach Gallon type deal where they traded Gallon for Chisholm, uh, traded one of those big pitchers for another big bat that could really, really help them. I don't know if that's going to coalesce during this season. Uh, so they're going to have to kind of go with what they've got. They've got some offensive pieces. I want to imagine a world where Jazz, Jesus Sanchez, and Jorge Soler can get on a heater at the same time because those are three very volatile guys with their swing and miss. But if they all get clicking at the same time with that pitching, I could see this team winning like eight, nine, ten straight uh, if everything started clicking with the offense. But it really comes down to the offense with this Marlins team. But I do like them. They've got a lot, of, and they've got Max Meyer, Edward Cabrera uh, on the way up to Yuri Perez even further down. But but also excellent. So they've got more pitching coming with the Marlins too. I think they could still make some noise in this division, yeah. even though it's very difficult. All of this, you know, design in case you want to make like adjusted season win totals. This is something that mm -hmm. you should factor in. It's not once, the only, not the only thing, but it's one thing. And the only other team I wanted to highlight the Toronto blue Jays who are 22 and 19, but have only scored 147 runs, giving up 157. They ought to be 19 and 22 based on that alone. So, th I mean, that's a, that's a surprising one also. It really is because the offense hasn't quite been uh, been at full strength there in terms of the performance. They've had most of their guys healthy for the most part, but like Boba Shed's just kind of coming out of it. Um, I know Teoscar has been brutal and uh, Vlad has actually been like kind of, you know, he's been above average and good, but not Vlad, not the Vlad that he was last year. And by the way, those two teams, Marlins and Jays have kind of flipped the one run thing. Marlins are six and 13. Uh, Jays are 11 and seven. So again, one run playing a role there when we see some teams under or overperforming. Marlins have also had some bull bullpen blowups that have probably hurt them with their one run record too. All right, we only have 90 seconds. We'll try to squeeze in a okay. lot here. One quick answer. What do you make of this like Yadier Molina pitching, Albert Pujols pitching? For those of us who like to in-game bet, has this become an epidemic? Yes, yes, it's tired it's kind of disgusting I'm, I'm over it disgusting may probably overstates it let's be honest but yeah it's ridiculous i'm so over it it's not a good novelty anymore uh it's ridiculous it used to be a late season thing where like we would yes. text each other like oh my god there's a there's a skill position yep. player pitching let's bet now it's like every game you, you have to be watching yep. baseball every it night might it might happen if there's like a five run deficit it's incredible it's ridiculous it's incredible. Should, they should put some rules against that to be honest because these guys with like 14, 13 pitchers on. They can't find somebody coming off an off day with a fully rested bullpen. They're going to put a player out there. It's it's kind of absurd. I'm over it. Your DFS plays of the day, sir. Uh, I like being able to get Garrett Cole and Luis Garcia going huge with the pitching and still being able to afford plenty of Dodgers. I got to line up with Cole Garcia, but then also Will Smith, Freddie Freeman, and Mookie Betts. Uh, Gabe Kapler and any other or Gabe Kapler. <laughs> Max Kepler is what I meant to say, and I said Gabe Kepler. Max Kepler and any other twins you can get. I like this bro, Brisky, for the Tigers. He's gutty, but he just hasn't been that good. He just hasn't missed that many bats. So I'm going Minnesota, Dodgers, and then you can still get some premium pitching with that. I think both tribesmen. Jeff, could you check on that? I think both tribesmen, Kepler and Kepler. I believe so. I think, uh, I think that's correct. I think that's correct. Uh, and your favorite baseball betting play of the day would be? I think Oakland. Um, I, I don't know why they're such a big such a big dog against Marco Gonzalez and the Mariners. They have about the same record, which I know is not the end all be all, but Zach Logue's pitched well. And I don't think Marco Gonzalez is that great that they should be that big of a number. So I'll take Oakland as a road dog, even though they're not a great team. Any chance to highlight the leaflet we do on this show. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it as always, man. Take care. Paul Spore, everybody. Stalwart on this program. Love, love having Paul on through the years. Gotta love that dude. At Spore on Twitter, by the way. 
and check him out on Fangraphs. We'll come back. Paul Carr on soccer. What a weekend. He takes a bow next. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $200 if you place a $10 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three pointer. Regardless of your bet's outcome, simply use bonus code VSIN200 when you place your first bet to take advantage of the offer. Enjoy the playoffs more than ever. With BetMGM, eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. 
It's Gil Alexander. Thanks for uh, hanging with us today. Jeff, you have a uh, you have one other basketball note besides who's available, who's not in this Heat-Celtics game. There's something else that came down the wire that makes this game, uh, how can I put this, unbettable perhaps? Yeah, Scott Foster and Kane Fitzgerald will both be there tonight in Boston. Do whatever you want with the information. <laughs> Oh, man. Since you bring up the name Kane, by the way, for those who are wondering why was there only one hockey game Saturday and then three yesterday, there was a country music concert they couldn't get out of in Tampa. Kane Brown is the name of the artist. I'm unfamiliar. Though I'm told, like, one of the preliminary acts was the, uh, was like, Applebee song, you know that thing? That's on the Applebee's commercial. There was my imitation. By the way, later my Doobie Brothers concert review coming up later on the show. That should be fun. Um, so Tampa Bay, the, the lightning game on Saturday got scuttled to yesterday. Tampa Bay looking for the three-peat, up 3 nothing now in their series uh, against the Florida Panthers, who quite frankly shouldn't have been there. Capitals should have been there. Pfft, don't get me started. Uh, and then, you know, in the other series, now we're, now we're back to the regular schedule after Tampa Bay essentially made up that game yesterday. The other two outcomes yesterday, Rangers get off the schneid. They're down 2-1 to one against the Hurricanes. How about the Flames? Andy McNeil loved the Flames. We'll have Andy on tomorrow. Not going well for the Flames. Oilers take a 2-1 to one lead in that best-of-seven series where the goals are plenty. And then the Avalanche and the Blues in a bit of a dogfight. Avalanche up 2-1. Uh, to one. That series resumes tonight, including the Panthers-Lightning possible closeout game uh, tonight. We will talk to uh, Andy McNeil tomorrow on the show. Yes, sir. You want to say something? No, the Blues are toast with Bennington out. They're toast now. I think they're toast. Different, different calculus entirely. Yeah, different calculus now. Avalanche Lightning Finals, is that what it feels like? Sure feels that way, doesn't it? Sure does. With a three-peat on the line, if that happens. Long way to go before then, though. Uh, let's talk some soccer. Let, let's do it two ways. One, to review the shenanigans of this past weekend, and then to let Paul Carr take a bow, for goodness sakes. But let's start with the shenanigans of this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Paul Carr, at Paul Carr, on Twitter from True Media Networks, and of course the host of the Expected Value Podcast. How you doing, man? I'm good. This is the this weekend Sunday was the it's the beauty of seasons with no playoffs where sometimes you'll get last season when City had the title wrapped up early. I think three games left, but it was really over before that. And sometimes you get yesterday when every single goal just kind of turns the whole season and title race or relegation race on its head, and there's tremendous drama. So yesterday was lots of fun. It it is a great I mean, it was a great time. First of all, the PGA with all the betting implications yesterday mm-hmm. was front and center. The French Open, for those who listen to this show and for those who are into it, it is spectacular when it gets to this time of the tennis year. Obviously, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and this, which most American fans don't have, sports fans don't have their eyes on. But can you explain what happened yesterday? First of all, Man City was way up in the Premier League, right, some time ago. Yeah, they were up, I think, 10-ish points. You know, the games were out of, were out of whack, so it was a little weird. But they were, you know, in the 90% range to win the title based on your betting odds or projections and things like that. But going into the last day, Liverpool could still win the title. Now, they had to win against Wolves at home, which they were expected to do. But the problem was City had to lose or draw at home against Aston Villa, which had nothing really to play for. So that's what had to happen. Liverpool had to win. City had to lose or draw. And the City part was not expected until, you know, they gave up a goal in the first half. City was down one nil at halftime. They gave up another goal. Early-ish in the second half. So City was down 2-0. Oh, my God. Liverpool was tied at that point after being down early. So Liverpool, for a while, 40-plus minutes, was basically a goal away from taking over first place in the Premier League. They had to to win their game. 
yep, they had to win. They're expected to. They were at home. They threw Mo Salah on. He was he's a little injured. They were hoping to save him for the Champions League final. Holy so man. there was about it was about 40 minutes of field time where Liverpool just needed one goal and suddenly they would be in first place and City just was inexplicably losing by two goals at home to Aston Villa. It was great. And then and then not so much. Uh, City scores three goals in five minutes from the 76th minute to the 81st minute. They score three goals. They go up three, two. And at that point, it's basically over because as long as City doesn't give up an equalizer and do, I think Aston Villa touched the ball like twice in the last five minutes. Do English uh, soccer fans have the same sort of um, skepticism and same sort of. Um, I don't know, just attitude that American sports fans do where, where they say to something like that, they're like, oh, of course that happened. Of course it was fixed, that kind of thing. Do, do they Are they generally uh, like us at all? I would say less fixed and more just kind of almost fatalism maybe. Uh-huh. You know, like for a long time it was, oh, of course Manchester United's going to score in stoppage time to win the game or the title or whatever it is because that's what always happens. Or, you know, they get it. The – I guess the good teams, you kind of assume, oh, they'll get a penalty or something and, and pull it off. Uh, so, so, yeah, I'd say less from a it might be rigged standpoint and more just a almost fatalistic, deterministic, this is what's inevitably going to happen sort of way. Just unbelievable. So, I, yeah. you know, we don't often get a chance to do this, but you had such a great Premier League season oui. that, you know, first of all, we, we don't, you know, we want to have you take a virtual bow here. So it was just a <laughs> golf clap. Jeff gave you the golf clap last week. Okay. Just a great, great Thanks. season. Yeah. And I just, I, you know, I want to, I want to go through some of the stuff you think you learned yeah. during this season. What do you got? Yeah. I mean, I, tr- I try to do almost every weekend. It's like, all right, you know, what did I get wrong? What did I get right? The reasons, obviously a lot of the times it's dumb luck one way or the other, a funny bounce or whatever. But so I, I try to look back. Um, I think the thing I kind of learned the most on kind of on the fly this season and, you know, a lot of people know these already. These are just kind of overarching things like is about future plays. Like, first of all, there's fun. We've talked about that last week. It's fun to have futures. You got things going every week. Uh, and I think soccer more than other sports, the future plays can help you give you opportunities to hedge in season just because it's such it's a 38 game season. Uh, the odds changed so much game to game, especially late in the season. So like I had a Liverpool five to one title bet before the season. Obviously it didn't cash, but when Liverpool, when Man City was minus, I don't know, 150 or something, uh, about a, a few weeks ago, I was able to hedge that and get some of that back. Uh, similar for, you know, Sun Hung Min, I got his golden boot. Uh, I had him at 40 to one, ended up splitting it because he shared it with Salah. So I got it paid at 20 to one, but I was able to hedge that on Salah late in the season. So same with top four bets. Stuff just changes so fast that obviously you want to make good future plays that you think are going to win. And you also will very often get these opportunities to hedge them that you, I think you don't always get in some of the other sports just because either the season is shorter or the, the playoff factor more than anything else, because your, your season title odds aren't going to shift and other similar odds aren't going to shift as dramatically in other sports. 16 units plus 16 units on just the game picks you gave out here on this show on yep. VEASAN, uh, 104 units on futures, betting five units per plus more on in-season hedging. Um, and you, you also discovered, I just think this is a good note for betters who are betting other sports too. If you're, if you're locked in step on one thing and you're locked in it for too long, you know, the game is evolving. The games are always evolving. The sports are always evolving. And if you're in yeah. one spot, trust me, it's, it's getting away from you. Like, again, you know, I use myself as an example. Baseball was my thing back in the day. Uh, 2012, great year. 2013, horrible year. 2014, great year again. 
2015 sort of a, a sort of a, a push. But it gets to a point where the sport is changing, right? Pitchers are coming mm-hmm. out earlier. So your yep. ability to quantify it, at least from my perspective, becomes less. And when I would make my picks had to change from the morning of to earlier that morning to the night before. And if you don't change that way, right, yeah. like the game the game and betting will get away from you. You have discovered new ways to bet soccer. And I just think this sounds simple to a lot of our listeners, but it, it is just something we need to remind ourselves of. Yeah, I, I think it is simple, you know. I started playing more both teams to score or at least looking at that number a lot more this year. This is not a new bet that was suddenly invented. It's just something for whatever reason I had stuck to mostly sides and totals and both teams to score just gives different opportunities. You know, found a good uh, trend with Lester this season and rode that a lot. Uh, It's just kind of another tool in the tool belt. You know, another way it wants to kind of handicap the game and figure out here's what I think is going to happen. It's another option. You know, maybe the, over under price isn't right, but both teams to score looks good. So, yeah, I just always trying to keep my eyes, ears open, figure out are there, are there new possibilities? Because a lot of times, even when I think I've handicapped it correctly, I'm a little less convinced maybe I've made the right bet per se. And having as many tools in the tool belt as possible is a good thing. All right, let's call it 16 units plus 20 units plus, we'll call it if we do one unit each on your futures. Either way, yeah. spectacular yeah. season for young Paul Carr. Uh, we'll talk one. to you about Champions League a little later in the week, yes? Yeah, finals on Saturday. Okay, more Paul Carr coming. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it as always, man. Thank you, Gil. Have a good week. You too. Paul Carr at P-A-U-L-C-A-R-R, just like it sounds, just like you'd think it'd be spelled, on the Twitter machine. Uh, We will come back. Wes Reynolds will join us, not only talk about his reflections on the PGA, what he's thinking about golf moving forward, the next major, the U.S. Open, and, of course, his thoughts on the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, the Swiss Army knife that is Wes Reynolds on the other side. Plus... Plus, Rufus Peabody to discuss his missed Mito Pereira 300 to 1 bet that could have won him $150,000 next. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free 